eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke. Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia. We have a scrimmage, second scrimmage to discuss in terms of the buzz uh, that came out of that session. And then on the uh, the back half, uh, or to close out the podcast, we're going to discuss some of the high school players, high school games that I saw with Gabby, which was IMG Venice, and then Gabby went on to Orlando, took in a game there on Saturday, and uh, have a little recruiting talk here at the end. Um, but yeah, let's let's just dive into scrimmage buzz. So this was the second scrimmage on Saturday. They went at about 3.30 in the afternoon, so one uh, of those hot conditions, hot, muggy South Florida conditions. That's also... Uh, the time Miami kicks off their opener against Bethune-Cookman here in a couple weeks. So get them used to that time. Uh, you know, want to make clear that uh, the media was not allowed to go watch the scrimmage. So everything we're saying is from talking with sources who were there. Uh, and, and, you know, while we trust our sources and a lot of it lines up, uh, you know, do want to make it clear here that my favorite source is my own two eyes. So everything we're about to say, we didn't necessarily see with our own two eyes, but uh, figured we can still have a nice little discussion here about uh, the buzz. And I think Gabby, you know, let's just go position by position because that's just the easiest way to format it. Um, And we'll start on offense and quarterback. So what I understand, you know, I, I think Tyler was Tyler. He looked good, um, did his thing with, with giving receivers the opportunity to make a ton of plays. Uh, we'll get into this later when we discuss receivers, but there, there were some drops, so not great, uh, to hear that. 
Um, but you know, it, it's kind of weird, honestly, Gabby, because really, like, I feel like we don't necessarily even have to talk about quarterback all that much because it's just a given that yeah, Tyler's the man. He's definitely looking like an NFL caliber type guy. And there's really just nothing to even really like talk about from a worry standpoint. I mean, I think he's taking his game to another level here in 2022. We'll see how it looks on the field here in a few weeks, but he looked good. Jake Garcia, my understanding, you know, he's definitely the number two guy. So uh, that's pretty clear. Um, But my understanding there, Gabby is, you know, I think Jake just needs to keep working on his knowledge slash understanding of this Josh Gaddis playbook. Um, and we saw this in the one open practice we got to watch. He needs to stop uh, forcing things late down the field. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, he's an aggressive guy. He's kind of a gunslinger type of quarterback, which I like. But you also need to know when to just take the easy throw, take the check down. And I think Jake is kind of learning that process right now. And I think that showed up a little bit in the scrimmage. And then Jakari, you know, I, I think he was mainly just signaling in plays uh, for the most part on Saturday and uh, maybe got a drive or two of opportunity there with the third team. And, you know, it's up and down. He makes his plays and he makes his mistakes like any true freshman. Um, but that's what I got at quarterback. I don't know if, if you had anything interesting to add there with that group. Yeah, no, I think the only thing I was going to say that it was that it sounded like Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia were the two primary quarterbacks for the, for the scrimmage. So, uh, I mean, you touched on all that. And again, just to kind of echo you, it sounds like Tyler Van Dyke had himself a day. So, um, you know, it just has been good. Like what you're saying that he's still on that upward trajectory. It's not fun to talk about because I mean, it's just like, we are right. Tyler Van Dyke's really good. And we just kind of got to, you know, bounce off that every single time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's good news that he's been really consistent and, and really solid. Running back, I'll let you discuss that group. What do we know there? Yeah, um, I mean, I think pretty interesting. Obviously, uh, a, a couple guys banged up uh, with Don Chaney sidelined to Trevante Citizen out with a significant injury. Um, I think that they're kind of protecting Jalen Knighton, uh, a guy that obviously took a lot of, uh, a lot of wear uh, in 2020 uh, or 2021. Um, so I'm not sure how much he played, if, if he really played at all. Uh, I'm not sure that he did. I think it was primarily Henry Parrish, Thad Franklin, and walk-on Devon Perry, who, right. who took a bulk of the carries. And from what I understand, I mean, obviously it's getting a little thin there. You're probably a, uh, an injury away from, you know, obviously not things not being where you want them to be. But for whatever it's worth, uh, it sounds like Devon Perry did a serviceable enough job running the ball. Uh, it sounds like some people were like, yeah, I mean, he can, you know, he made, he made some plays. Um, uh, David, I mean, he was, a, he was a, like a, a, a division one athlete before, right? Like I'm not like certain of that background, but I know yeah. we were talking. So yeah, I think, I guess he played at Richmond or something like that right. before. So it's not like he's like just some random guy that walked onto the team. I mean, he, he, he's played some football yeah. and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, again, obviously you don't want to get there, but if, if it does get there, I guess, at least, you know, we have, there's some athletic there. It's the fourth yeah. guy. Yeah. And then again, it sounds like uh Thad Franklin ran the ball. Okay. Uh, Henry Parrish ran the ball. Um, he ran the ball well as well. So, um, you know, I mean, not I, from what I understand, you know, those guys did an okay enough job or a good enough job yeah. where like, you know, they're, they're not super worried about it. Yeah. I think Ro- rooster was held out for precautionary reasons. So nothing really to worry about there. 
Um, I also think it's smart. Like if I'm Mario Cristobal, this kind of goes against everything he's about, but I bubble wrap that guy, um, you know, keep him healthy as long as possible. Um, and yeah, um, with Don Chaney, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics of what the injury is, but my understanding is it was looked at, um, maybe Friday ish, um, Friday morning ish. And the feedback in general was positive. Um, you know, I think there's a hope that best case scenario, it, it's maybe a six to eight week uh, deal. Um, but, you know, a lot of that depends on how the body heals up and uh, how comfortable Don Chaney is, you know, getting back at it. Um, so maybe we get, maybe it, we'll see Don Chaney back on the field uh, at some point in this 2022 season. But I think maybe first half of the season, it might be fair to expect this group to kind of be the running back group. And, and you mentioned that Franklin, you know, I, I heard he, he, he did okay. You know, he's not, he, he's not the most dynamic guy, but I think he's a guy that, you know, can consistently fall forward, get you four to five yards. Um, and he, he's a change of pace, of course, from, uh, Rooster and Henry Parrish, which which I'm all for, and and we know Thad has the potential to be a situational short yardage guy. So um, definitely not ideal the depth there at running back. Uh, this is, you know, I, I think in general Mario Cristobal is going to run one of the more physical camps in the country. And overall, I think that's good. I think the benefits of that outweigh these injuries, these, you know, two or three injuries that could potentially happen from running a physical camp. Because as we know, after last year, uh, being a physical team is important in the game of football, right? Um, so I think the benefits outweigh the costs, but it is unfortunate that Miami got hit by two uh, injuries here in camp at the same position group. So, uh, depth is thin there. Um, but honestly, I like that Mario is instilling a physicality mindset with this team. So I'm not going to nitpick it. Um, wide receiver. This is like going to be the one position to watch here. During the course of the season, Gabby, and, um, you know, I don't know what to make of it quite because we don't get to watch it with our own two eyes, but I think it is clear that maybe guys and, and we're talking mainly starters, like the guys that are expected to start, um, on the outside. So that would be primarily Frank Latson and Keyshawn Smith. I think the feeling is coming out of the scrimmage that man, I wish they could do a better job of winning some 50-50 balls. I think right now it sounds like it's like 25-75 that they're not winning, um, and that needs to change. Is that the same vibes you get? Yeah, I mean, I think I think just, uh, again, the contested catches is one thing that I just don't think we're seeing a lot of from these receivers. Um I mean, the drops, man, I think we can't ignore it. I, I you know, saw Mario Cristobal mentioned it 
in his uh in his video after i mean that's the same feedback that it sounds like both of us got david that yeah that the drops were a problem and it's coming from guys and they're coming from guys who are expected to contribute and uh, they're coming in untimely situations and with you know potential big plays and right. and those types of things and uh you know that's that's where things you know can get rocky when when there's an opportunity to do something to to you know for a chunk play for a long touchdown where you can sway the game and you lose that opportunity i mean it's it's tough man and those are just the plays you want to see these guys make and uh Again, I mean, I feel like it's kind of been just the same tone since the summer, right? Like, who's going to step since up at receiver? Yeah, like really we kind of saw it in the spring game, right? Yeah, yeah, no, in the spring game, for sure. I feel like even before that, I think we were talking yeah. about, like, the receivers were just, like, huge question mark here. Um, but I just don't feel like it's definitively been, like, answered yet. Like, who is no. the guy? And I think we both agree, David, that if it's going to be someone, it sounds like it's going to be Keyshawn Smith. But still, there's things he needs to clean up, clean up too, and yeah. a part of that is the drops as well. So it's um these guys. I mean, the room just needs to improve. I mean, you got a couple not I don't not gimmies, but I mean, Bethune Cookman, Southern Miss should be gimmies. I mean, hopefully, someone's able to just kind of emerge when the lights build come on. I feel like yeah, builds confidence. Games. Yeah, over those first two games, and you go to Texas A and M, who's gonna have a strong secondary, and you know they're gonna be tested. They're really, really gonna be tested in that one. Those are the games where this stuff where this matters because I don't think we're going to necessarily see it in these first two games. Like Keyshawn Smith and Frank Gladson should be able to generate big, big, big plays against Bethune Cookman and Southern Miss. It's when you play those teams that have NFL caliber defensive backs, when things start to lock up a little bit or guys just can't make a play. Um, you know, it reminds me in some ways, Gabby, of what we saw in 2020, where your two primary outside receivers were Mark Pope and D. Wiggins. Um, and that year, Mark Pope had 403 yards and two touchdowns, and D. Wiggins had 358 yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, both guys flashed the ability to make plays every now and then, uh, but they weren't making plays when Miami needed them to against the teams like what off the top of my head, it was like Clemson. Um, you know, I think I remember in that bowl game, Oklahoma state, there was some untimely drops. I mean, I guess drops are always untimely, but, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this group is that bad necessarily. And I do think this, like, and I'm a huge Derek King fan and guy, and uh, I think he's a better passer than he gets credit for. But I do think Tyler Van Dyke has the ability to to throw guys open against above average or worse defensive secondaries, if that makes sense. It's just those games against A&M and Clemson yeah. when, where they got those dogs in the secondary and they can just, all right, we're going to man you up. And your receivers are going to have to make plays. That's where I'm concerned for the entire, like biggest concern right now on the team is that um, when, when these defenses have corners slash safeties that can get it done, um, are these guys good enough to make plays? I think the talent is there. I, I think Frank is frustrating people the most, quite yeah. frankly, because He's 6'3", 6'4", 205, 210. 
runs great in a straight line. Like he's not going to be a super fluid route runner. That's just not him, but he can go in a straight line and be that downfield threat. Um, but when those targets and opportunities come his way in the downfield passing game, he doesn't really use his big body to his advantage to make those contested catches like you would want. Um, and I feel like Keyshawn can get open. Like he, he can run the routes. He's got the nice speed downfield too. Um, he just kind of has some frustrating drops. Um, so we'll see if they can put it all together. I'm not giving up on this group, but you know, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll necessarily know what this group is about until that Texas A&M game. Uh, Cause that's when they'll really be tested. I do think people are excited about Xavier Restrepo. Um, but even he has his drops. Like he had a drop, I think on in the scrimmage from what I understand. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like that 2020 team as well, right? Like Mike Harley was the leading receiver out of the slot. He had 799 yards and seven touchdowns. It sounds like that's probably how the receiving yardage is going to go this year too, with Xavier Restrepo having to be the most productive guy. I don't know how ideal that is if you're talking about trying to win the ACC. Um, and then the number two receiver on that year's team was Brevin Jordan, 576 yards and seven touchdowns. To me, again, like yeah. that's probably going to have to be the case this year with Will Mallory. If he's healthy, you know, can be maybe a 500 plus yard receiver as well. So, um, it does sound like Michael Redding is like the number four guy right now. He he yeah. gets some time with the first team. He he had time with the first team on Saturday, and then my understanding is Romello, Jacoby, and Burchard they flash, um, but you know they still need that consistency. And and honestly, like. We'll see how this goes, but I think it's going to be interesting to watch if, if Keyshawn and Frank cannot get it done in this first half of the season, you know, I think you have to turn to these young guys to see like, yeah, maybe it's not going to be a clean execution all the time by those guys, but if they're one-on-one with a DB, do they go make a play? that might have to be something to sort out as the season progresses. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. And just like that, I feel like that Texas A&M game, I think it's going to tell us everything. Like, are these guys going to show up in this kind of environment or not? And again, I think at that point, if I think if you don't have something that I think you got to start rotating these younger guys in and, you know, maybe when the lights are on, some of them play and perform. I think you got to hope that across the board, you know, when it's time to just kind of play that these guys just show up. So I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. I feel like, again, we kind of, we can kind of refer to last year where maybe even this time we weren't even super sure about Charleston Rambo and he obviously emerged and, and all that stuff. And again, I mean, chances of that going exactly the same, probably pretty slim, but you know, hopefully we got some gamers, you know, there's some gamers in the room and some guys, someone just kind of comes up come, comes through. I mean, I, I agree with the Michael Redding take. I mean, it sounds to me like he's someone that they can just kind of rely on, right? Like yes, someone they can trust. That's why he's playing. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't know if he's necessarily the most physically gifted guy in the room. Um, I'm not sure he's creating like, you know, a ton of separation and, you know, making all these big plays, but he sounds like he understands his assignments. Uh, he's a pretty clean, you know, catcher of the football. 
uh, which I, I, is valuable, obviously, you know, especially with the way the room is. And again, it just sounds like he's someone that's probably going to factor into the rotation in, in one way or another. Yeah, it's and my understanding, too. I think maybe in the scrimmage, Jacoby was the only yeah. receiver to catch a touchdown. That's yeah. my understanding, which is not great that you only had one receiving touchdown. No, that's not from that receiver group. So, you know. I don't, again, I don't think that group's necessarily bad. It's just, you know, there, there's talent there. Like these guys can all run. That's the thing. Like they can all run. It's, it's that phase of like finishing on the play. Can they, can they get to the point where that's good enough? And, and we'll see. Is that something that can be improved? I think is a fair question. I don't know. I, I think they can do it. I think Keyshawn Smith can do it. Um, but he's got he's to do it. All right, tight end. Will Mallory, not, not a go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think still feel really good about that group. Elijah Arroyo did his thing. Yep. And, you know, I think they're showing multiple looks with the tight ends. Um, Khalil Brantley, Dom Mamarelli gives them the ability to, you know, do some H-back things, do some uh two tight end set things with uh you know in the run game etc but i do think and and and, um i do think missing will mallory is is a significant thing to note yeah that in terms of like the efficiency of the offense but it's widely expected that he's going to be a full go by the time the season comes around yeah i don't really have anything else there on tight end Offensive line, um, you know, I, I don't really have much detail there. You yeah, know, it, it does sound like John Campbell and DJ Scaife will be the starting tackles. That's kind of how it was in, in the scrimmage. Uh, Jalen Rivers, you know, I think he's a guy that they like a lot at guard and, you know, they can use him in that pole game. Uh you know, running the ball. He can kind of be that lead blocker as a pulling guard um, because of his athleticism and size. Um, and, and just overall as a group, I think they're happy with with uh, how the group is playing considering who they go against. You know, yeah. in these scrimmages, I think context is vitally important. And, you know, if... If Miami's offensive line uh, was really, they're holding their own against a really good defensive line. And I think the coaches feel good about that. So um, overall, I, I feel like they still think it's, it's a strength uh, because they are, again, holding their own against what is probably going to be one of the better defensive lines they face all year. Anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, I checked in with someone. I was just like, you know, overall, like, were you were you guys pleased with the offensive line play? And you know, it was it was a quick yes. You know, that they're happy with how the performance went. So again, I think the context is very important because there's not many defensive lines they're going to go up again this year against this year that are going to be better than what they're seeing in practice. So I think that that's important. I think Texas A and M's obviously one. They're going to be pretty loaded. Clemson's another. They're going to be pretty loaded. I think the field after that is, I think there's a, probably a tier two below. Maybe Pitt will probably it, be like yeah, the next those best. Those are the three. Yeah, I think that. FSU's I think those are decent. You know. Yeah. 
but I think Miami, I would, I would take like, I think my point is just like Miami's is up there with anyone's, yes. you know, for the most part, at least, you know, Agreed. with the, with what we've seen and the feedback that we've gone in terms of just how mm-hmm. deep they're rolling. So they're getting really good looks. And I think that that's important for this offensive line. And again, like what you said, David, it sounds like they're holding their own, which is, um, you know, obviously an improvement. So we'll see how they, how they sort of come around. But I think the defensive line is pushing the offensive line and the offensive yes. line is responding. So I think that that's a, I think that's pretty notable. And I think one thing to note too is like we're we we aren't hearing like oh John Campbell's getting worked at left tackle yeah, exactly right so no news is good news a lot of times on the offensive line and I think that's been the case all camp with John Campbell so that's that's an exciting development um, because he is he he's a guy that brings some physical gifts to the line um, and it'll be interesting to see where he lines up once Zion comes back offense overall let's recap just big picture offensive thoughts and then we'll take a break and discuss the defense um but gabby i'll admit you know i think it's a little disappointing that the offense didn't take a step forward in scrimmage two um you know typically just the way things these things go is defense wins scrimmage one offense comes back and plays better in scrimmage two i don't think that happened. I think the defense dominated even more in scrimmage too. Um, But I do think it's worth remembering, I guess, that Will Mallory and Jalen Knighton were not a go. I mean, those are two of your significant playmakers. Sure. That matters. Um, And I think the bottom line is, you know, look, it's not like the defense is struggling or Sorry, the offense is struggling because the quarterback play is horrendous um, or the offensive line can't block it up. It's really just receivers aren't making plays. Yeah. Um, so I guess my, my question to you, Gabby, is do you think Josh Gaddis can kind of, let's say it doesn't change, right? Let's say the receiver situation is what it is. Can he scheme it up? Can he... Can he hide these deficiencies with what he has to work with here with this Miami offense? I mean, I, I think I mean you you can hide it to an extent just because you do have those two what I believe to be pretty big time tight ends. Like I know they love Will Mallory, they love Elijah Arroyo. I think you can go you know heavy two tight end sets, um, do to, do things like that because I think where your where your receivers are a weakness, I think your tight ends are a strength. And again, I think we both believe that Elijah Arroyo could potentially be like an NFL type of tight end too. So, I mean, throw both of those guys on the field and, you know, I guess you can maybe use the running backs as pass catchers. I mean, we saw Jalen Knighton be explosive in the right. pass game last year. I think Henry Parrish could do some of that too, where he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So yep. I think you can get creative with the ways. And again, I think, you know, Josh Gaddix likes kind of like those gadget guys where you can kind of move them around a little bit. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing maybe some of the running, the running backs getting more involved in the passing game. And, you know, then with the heavy tight end sets and those types of things. So, yeah, I think this is a way to draw it up, scheme it up. And I'm sure they're working at that plenty right now. If I, if, you know, if the feedback that we're getting checks out at wide receiver, I think that they're probably in the, on the drawing board, you know, seeing how they can, you know, get really creative with this thing. Yeah, and I think too, it's worth mentioning. Like, I expect the run game to be much improved this year, yeah. and so that matters in itself. But also too, you can you can build a passing game off of that. Um, you know, you can scheme open wide receivers so that they are wide open, um, 
if you have a successful running game. So, and I'll say this too, I am encouraged, you know, that when you look at Michigan last year, Josh Gaddis on offense found a way to maximize what they had to work with. Um, so Michigan last year had a tremendous offensive line, very talented uh, running backs and tight ends that were solid and wide receivers that were solid. Uh, quarterback average, right? So, you know, he found a way to score 35 points per game with pretty limited quarterback play. This year, he has elite quarterback play at the college level, pretty good running backs, really good tight ends. I think it's a pretty good offensive line and the receivers are, you know, average, let's call it. Um, yeah. I think he can find a way to scheme it up, sure. you know, 33 points per game or so. Um, and, and I think this offense lends to that type of impact from an offensive coordinator. Again, I'm not throwing shade at the previous offensive coordinator, but just the way Rhett Lashley's offense worked was basically we run these 10 plays and we're going to run them really fast and we're going to try and execute them at a high level all the time. Josh Gaddis is going to scheme you up. He's going to try and attack your deficiencies on defense. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a good fit for this personnel. So let's take a break. And on the other side, we will talk defense. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Gabby, defensive line, getting all the praise again out of scrimmage two. I mean, it's hard to not get excited about this group at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty jacked up to watch these guys in action. Um, you know, again, I mean, we've heard it all really all fall, right? I mean, they went out and, you know, in the spring brought in a couple of defensive line transfers and then just kind of kept them coming in. And we're just like, how many are these guys going to take? Like, we're right. like, how, how many defensive line, like, what are they doing here? Like, it's, this is a big number. I mean, there's a lot, Um, but I, you, you see why now, I mean, you see exactly, they went out, they got talented dudes. I mean, Akeem Mesador is, is, is balling out there. Darrell Jackson is potentially one of the freakiest defensive linemen, you know, yeah, Miami's they're had very here. excited about Yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's just, there's a ton to be excited about Mitchell Gude off the edge. Uh, you know, I, I mean, this, this is what you needed to do. I, I don't think Miami could have run it back with the group that they had returning. Not that there wasn't talent there, but 
and David, we've talked about this a ton too, like the importance of the trenches and having those different bodies out there and rolling out that many, many guys. Can't, you can't. And, uh, you know, I think that's one spot now where Miami kind of has it going, right? And, uh, you know, so, I mean, all the feedbacks there has been really good. You got some young guys stepping up. I mean, Nigel, Nigel Kelly's getting like national recognition right now for, you know, as a freshman that's making some plays, not saying he's going to be a day one guy or anything like that, but it seems like his career is on a, you know, yeah. upward trajectory and he's going to be a dude one day. And that's been echoed, you know, for some time now, uh, you know, especially talking to some upperclassmen at that media day about him. So, you know, I mean, this is, this is a really talented deep group and uh, I'm really excited to see what they look like on, on Saturdays this fall, man. Yeah, it, it might be. I mean, it probably is the deepest group deepest. I think best is still to be determined, but they're the deepest group I've covered in my 15 years at, at inside the U. Um, you know, they, they just have a little bit of everything, speed, power, length, technique, experience, young talent. That's intriguing. So, um, you know, these, I think, I think three transfers in particular are separating from the group in terms of like, these guys are going to make a huge impact. And that's Mesador, that's Jackson, and that's Mitchell Agude. I think those three guys are going to take this line to another level. And the, and adding guys like that just allows everything to kind of fall into place as it should be. You know, yeah. like Jafari Harvey, Jafari Harvey. I put the wrong emphasis. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Name. Um, He's talented, right? He he's athletic, but he's probably best suited to be that one B to Mitch Lagude's one A. You know, yeah. that's like the ideal role for him. Um, Jared Harrison Hunt and Leonard Taylor are both very talented guys returning this year, but they're probably best suited at this stage in their careers to be guys that all right go hard for twenty to twenty five snaps and make plays in those twenty to twenty five snaps. Um, Chance Williams, talented guy, very athletic, but probably best suited to be that second strong side defensive end behind Akeem Mesador. Um, things are just falling into place. Jake, Jake Lichtenstein can make an impact with his length. We saw that in, in the spring game, six, six, two eighty, matters in college football. Uh, Antonio Moultrie, very quick, um, as an interior pass rusher. Uh, Elijah Roberts is, is really stepping up and, and doing his thing as a guy that can play strong side DN and kick inside in certain situations. So this group has depth. This group has versatility because um, of what they can bring to the field on third down speed packages. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, in general, when you boil it down in college football on defense, it's really not that complicated. Stop the run first and second down, then find a way to get off the field on third down passing situations. And I think that that success for this defense will start up front because the first and second down defense defensive line is going to look a lot different from the third down defensive line um, in terms of the personnel. Um, but I think, I don't think the play is going to drop when you know, those different personnel groupings start rolling in during the course of a game. And you mentioned Nigel Kelly, 
And it, it's, it's very exciting because all the guy does is flash all over the place, every practice, every scrimmage. He's flashing, flashing, flashing. But I do think it's worth noting that for the most part, he's doing it against third teamers. Yeah. So that's notable because guys who make plays generally make plays as they rise up the depth chart. Um, but, you know, and, and I do think at some point this year, we'll probably see him in some small role. But I don't think we need to do the whole thing where it's like, you know, why isn't Nigelik playing more? You know, after you know the, that's gonna happen after the Southern Miss game, you know. So let's see him grow into his role. He is a freak, um, but you know, you win with older players. Real programs win with older players. So let's let Nigelik go out and earn it, um, which he will in time. Anything else on the D line? No, not, not really for me. I'm good. Linebacker. Um, the word I'm getting there is serviceable, which is encouraging. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, better than where, that's better than where they're at last year. So yes, serviceable. And then, you know, it, it does sound like to me, like Caleb Johnson is stacking solid scrimmage performance. And, and I think the thing that stands out there is his level of physicality is noticeable. So you kind of, you, when he tackles you, you feel him which is needed compared to how things were last year. So it does sound like Caleb is going to be the starting middle linebacker for this team. Um, I, I'm also under the impression that, you know, Keontre Smith, you know, he's kind of cracking the door for someone to be the fourth linebacker in the rotation. Um because the, the execution level isn't quite where it needs to be from Keontre. Um, so that'll be something interesting to monitor. I'm curious, Gabby, like who do you think will be in the first month? Who, who do you think will be the, the weak side guy starting weak side Wayne Steed? Yeah, I probably go Steed right now. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious though. Like I, I could see this being a situation where like it's Steed early, but someone kind of comes around like, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like I, I feel happen. like, yeah, I mean, I, like I you're think, saying Wesley or Chase. Yeah. Like, I think one of those guys could eventually emerge, you know, Wesley's still young. I think Chase is still relatively new to the position, dealt with an injury and all that stuff. But I think there's reasons to be encouraged about each of those guys and not saying that they I'm not saying I don't know if they start or whatever, but I think that there, he's someone that could have end up like if Steed, Steed is a starter. But like, I think as the year go on, maybe some of those guys start like kind of leveling out snaps and stuff like that. So we'll yeah. see. But yeah, right now I could see it being it being Steed to start the year. I think it's a position group that could get better in terms of talent. If sure. those young guys start playing yeah. more, you know, during the course of this ACC schedule. So yeah. and I'll say this, too, like I think the D line their improvements help the linebacker group a lot. I think it helps uh, every, I mean, it helps, it helps everyone a lot, does. but yeah, absolutely. it's gonna, definitely going to help the linebackers. So anything else to add there from the scrimmage other than serviceable? No, nah, just, I mean, kind of, again, same thing with Caleb Johnson. Like I heard he was, he was, he was really good. So I, yeah. I think that's encouraging. And like you just said, you win with older guys in college football. He's like six years. Yeah. He's, he's like, He's like my age, so I think Caleb Johnson will be all right. Secondary. Um, you know, I I think this group was solid. Um, I think, you know, safety group is exciting. I heard James and Avante played 
played well together on the back end as kind of the first team safeties. Um, Tyreek, I guess, was getting a lot of star looks in addition to playing outside corner. So, you know, I don't know. To me, it sounds like to, you know, to Corey is, is continuing to stack confident performances, which I think is notable because last year he looked like a guy that lost some confidence. Um, overall, I just feel like this group is much deeper than it was a year ago. You know, in terms of the corners, I don't know if there's a, a star, like a, a, a superstar type level player. I think Tyreek has the potential to be. But I don't know if there's like a straight up like shutdown corner on this defense, but I think there's like five guys that are good, solid, quality starter level corners at the college level. And they all ha- they they all do different things. You know, you got Takori and Daryl Porter, who are kind of your man coverage, smaller guys that can also play nickel. Dunson, Tyreek, and Ivy, kind of your lengthier guys that are willing to be physical. Um, and then at the star position, you got Gilbert and Tyreek. You know, it, it it seems like they're too deep across the board in the secondary. And, you know, much like D-line, that matters. And you mentioned too, D-line helps everyone. This D-line group is going to help this secondary be more impactful this year, I think. Yeah, I think, I think, I think so too. And, you know, just, and just even with the corners and yeah, I think the feedback overall just really with the secondary has been good, right? Like everything you said about James and Avante, about, you know, the corners and all that stuff. But I think like, I think another, not maybe not a concern, but just something to think about. And we were talking about, we talked about it with the offensive line and defensive line, like what you're going up against. And I think the drops and stuff like that has obviously made the secondary look right. better and all that stuff. So not saying that the secondary hasn't been good, but it's also, you also have to sort of look at it and be like, okay, like, what looks are the secondary getting? And there, again, there's so much talent and I'm not suggesting anything with them, but um, I do think it's just, I, I, I yeah. want to see them. I want to see them be tested because I don't know how much they have been like truly, really tested. I think they've been tested by Tyler Van Dyke's arm right. and what That's he can do point, with it. I yeah. yeah. I think he's been tested by his arm, but like just with another, like, I mean, they're going to run into like a freak show talent, like Evan Stewart or something like that in week one when he's back and he's supposed to like start for the Aggies or whatever. And he's an, He's just kind of a ridiculous type of dude. So, like, is what are they going to do? But do they with have a someone like that? Yeah, that's a question right? for sure. But that's I mean, that's just kind of like the overall point that I'm just trying to make. Yes. That a... no, I think it's a fair point. Um, again, I don't think I don't think it's like elite lock you down type of corner group. Yeah. Um, but I think they're solid, and I think they can get the job done. So. And I think a lot of that is due to Jamal Adai. He he does a good job of making sure they know their assignments and execute, which in secondary play is huge. Just you know, any secondary that is on the same page, that's a big deal. And it does seem like this Miami secondary group is on the same page when they're out there on the field. Um, overall thoughts on the defense. Um, you know, I, I kind of already said this, but I think, you know, you look at the D line and you look at the secondary, the personal is there, the personnel is there to be multiple. So they can, they can adjust to what opposing offenses are trying to do 
uh, schematically and personnel-wise. And I feel like under the previous staff, those adjustments weren't being made. You know, they would just kind of roll out their four-two-five looks and have, you know, dynamic slot like Josh Downs line up against, you know, the striker position. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out who's going to win that matchup. I feel like this staff, you know, I think Mario said in one of his availabilities with us, they have nine different personnel groupings on defense. Um, so they're kind of preparing for different looks, which is what college football is all about. It's, it's, you know, you see a lot more different looks in college football than you do in the NFL. Um, so I think that's encouraging. And overall, Gabby, I think this defense can be top 30 good. Uh, you know, I kind of set the bar before camp at top 40. Yeah. I'm willing to push that up. And that is a huge improvement considering the trash we had to watch last year on that side of the ball, you know, especially in the tackling department. Yeah. I, I think coaching matters. And I think the fact that you have Kevin Steele here, I think he's made a, I, th I think he's made a huge difference. I think like just kind of touching back on something you said earlier in the show, like having these physical practices and yeah, like, you know, sometimes guys are going to get dinged up, but I think this is kind of a camp that this program, like not even talking about individual players. I think this is a camp that this program really needed because I think that there's just a different sort of expectation and standard. And again, it's not a shot at, at anyone or whatever. Yeah. And, but it's, I mean, Kevin Steele is a longtime SEC defensive coordinator. Charlie Strong is, a, you know, has a resume as long as anyone. Um, and it was obviously a successful head coach. And he's done it at a high level at the NFL level. He was just coaching like out the what, middle linebackers or something for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, these guys understand how to coach it, understand how They're to teach find it. find answers. Exactly. These guys are going to, exactly. They're going to figure it out. It's not going to be like, oh, well, this is who we are. So it's like, no, like. And I think that what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball is massive. And again, I think it's just kind of, I, I think it's just a new mindset, a new mentality, just a new expectation, the the bodies that are flying around, like everything. So yeah, I'm encouraged about the, about the defense top, top 30 good would be, Huge. I think that would, I think that would make up for some of the offense offensive inefficiencies. Let's say if the receivers don't step up, I think that if you have a top 30 defense, I mean, I think that, I think that wins you a couple games, right? Like I would if imagine you, that, that if you have a in a vacuum, if you have a top 30 defense and an elite quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games yeah. no matter what. Yeah. So there you go. That's a good combo. Recruiting minute. Um, Gabby and I were both out at IMG Venice. Shout out Venice Kane. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's discuss our thoughts on some IMG guys. And we don't have to like go into all of them because it's such a long list. Yeah. Um, but I'll start by just mentioning who I'm stock up on after watching them against Venice. I'm stock up on uh, edge rusher, Jaden Wayne. I was impressed by him. Yeah. You know, there, there's still some areas that need to get cleaned up, but he's got length, he's got a frame. And he was willing to be physical, which I was, you know, talking to some people out West that had seen him play at the high school level out West. Physicality was kind of a concern for them. That's not what I saw um, on Friday night. We, we saw him have what, maybe two and a half sacks, not sacks, yeah. but like tackles for loss. Yeah. He, he, he was, was getting he in was the backfield active. a lot. 
He yeah. was very active. And he had one drive where, I mean, I think, again, kind of unofficially, I haven't gone back and watched it, but I think he got like a sack and a half on that drive. You know, like he had one yeah. earlier and then one closer, like, you know, one in the red zone too. So, you know, he was physical to me and I thought he did a good job of just get really, I mean, getting back there. I thought he was, I thought he was in the mix of the play often. There's a lot to work with there. And, you know, I think he's going to need a redshirt year, like most line of scrimmage players. Yep. Uh, but I think after that redshirt year, he's he's going to be ready to go to be in the rotation in, in yeah. some way. The other guy I'm stock up on, Antonio Tripp. Uh, he was a guy, you know, I was a little skeptical of, uh, quite frankly, but he's he's legit. Like, he's good enough to play at Miami as an older offensive lineman, you know, two, three years down the road. Um, I think he can play guard at the college level, which I didn't expect. Or, of course, he can play center. Um, what impression did Tripp make on you? Yeah, I, I feel like he was a little bit bigger than I remember. Um, just kind of going back. I mean, I saw him at Miami in the spring, just kind of walking around in a T-shirt and shorts. I feel like in pads, he's he had more size and more mass than I think I remember him having uh, back then. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think Tripp and I kind of I think we kind of got into that center mentality with him. Like, yeah, I think he's someone that could, that could potentially play guard. Um, I and, think he's like an advanced Jakai Clark. Yeah, no, I think I think that's I think that's fair, honestly. And uh, you know, I, I, again, I thought he could move, and I think it's impressive whenever you're walk, you're able to walk into a program like IMG Academy and secure a starting job over some yeah. guys that have been there a while. Right. Um, in really, I mean, I think he's told me it was like 12 days or something like that from the time that he arrived to when they you know kicked off on Friday night against Venice. So. Um, I think there's something to that too. You know, the work ethic, the mentality. I mean, I spoke with him after the game about all that. And, you know, that's really what is his goal to come in here and start. And he was able to secure that pretty quickly. So um, I don't know. I think, I think there's definitely something to that too. All right. Let's not bury the lead to Francis Maui Goa. You know, he is who we think he is, you know, Uh, held it down at left tackle against Damon Wilson. I think Francis won the day, you know, uh, Damon got him once, I think, um, on the day. They probably, I don't know, how many times did they go up against each other? Maybe 10 times? Yeah, I think maybe 10 times. I would I would score maybe like 8-2. Okay. That Francis uh, had that bad hold. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Francis is really good. Yeah, and yeah, honestly, like, yeah, I mean, he was incredible and, like, I don't want to undersell how good he was, but right. I think that was all again, cause we saw my future 50. Right. And it was just like, is this guy human? And it was honestly good to see him kind of not, not stroke, but like, I mean, he, he, it was cool to see him kind of get beat and then bounce back from it. Right. Like he yeah, had that run sure. play where Damon Wilson kind of, you know, got inside of him with a quick, with a quick inside move and, you know, kind of ducked his head a little bit and, you know, kind of got beat on that. He had the bad hold where Damon Wilson got around him. And you want those two elite edge, you know, that that left tackle elite pass rusher going at it like that. And I think it was a good test for him too. Not, I mean, he goes up against the elite competition every day, but, um, you know, it was cool to see him kind of go through that and come back and then have a really good rep, you know, like all that type of stuff. Like he is, he's a big, big, big time tackle. And he, he's not, he doesn't let those like, you know, those one, the, you know, those kind of like faults, he doesn't let those stack up. He's just kind right. of like, all right, you beat me there. He'll give you a tap on the helmet. It's like, all right, let's run it back. Like he's that type of guy. So um, no, a lot more big time players too, in that game that, you know, 
just because we're not talking about them doesn't mean they played well. Yeah. Like Riley Williams was fine. David Stone, 2024. Uh, Ernest Willer, 2024. Freaks. So lots of dudes, of course, at IMG. Guy I want to talk about, though, from a recruiting standpoint that you that you uh, interviewed after the game, Gabby, Samuel and Pemba, the edge. What are the vibes there? Yeah, uh, I think Miami's still very much in that. And, uh, you know, he was talking he was talking about how close he is with Francis Malagoa and how they're just trying to continue to recruit him. You know, really all the Miami guys. Um, so and he says he's going to get down to Miami for an official visit. That's something he's kind of, he kind of told us at Future 50. Uh, that's something he intends. He still intends on doing. He enjoyed his time at the at the cookout pool party uh, at the end of at the end of July when he made it down. So. Um, you know, I think Miami's just got to kind of keep getting him back on campus, get it, get that official in. And then um, I kind of figure it out. It won't be for that Florida State game, though, uh, that November 5th, which is supposed to be a big uh, a big weekend. He's going to be up at Notre Dame that weekend. So they're going to have okay. to find another time to to get Samuel and Pemba down. And then Damon Wilson, the Venice edge rusher who, you know, he had to go against Francis some reps. You know, when he went to the right side, he he kind of had more success over there against uh, the young, talented, was it Jimothy Lewis? What's his Jimothy, name? Yeah, Jimothy Lewis, who was also good, I think. Yes, very good. Uh, but Damon was good. Like, he's legit yeah, um, super. as a stand-up edge rusher type. What's what's the vibes there with his recruitment? Yeah, he's going to be up at a, a Notre Dame at Ohio State on September 3rd to, you know, that week one that's going to be an official visit with Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, says he's going to get down to Miami for an official visit. Uh, I mean, David, I thought you had the quote of the week. I mean, you wrote the quote of the weekend. I mean, it was just like how Francis Malagoa was recruiting him like mid-play, uh, mm-hmm. telling him like, all right, bro, you should come to the U. And it's just like it's wild. So, um, you know, it's I think it's a big deal that, you know, in that handshake line after the game, you know, he said, yeah, like six people told me to go to Miami. And obviously, I know that drew a lot of conversation and stuff. I mean, it's hyperbole, not literally six people, but – I mean, you got four Miami commits on the other side. So I'm sure all four of them uh, said something to him about it. And you got a lot of the right people kind of talking to him in his ear. And I think uh, he kind of saw the reality of potentially iron sharpening iron with uh, Francis Malagoa and going up against him every day. I think that's something to at least consider. And uh, obviously Miami doing a really, really good job recruiting him as well. So on Saturday, you went up to Miami Northwestern Orlando Jones to watch those two programs go at it. What what do we need to know about that game? Yeah, um, you know, two obviously two guys Miami like I mean Malik Bryant committed to Miami. Um, Andy Jean is a Florida commit at Miami Northwestern. Um, you know, I think well, I mean it sounds like Andy Jean is still, you know, considering Miami, still talking with Miami and uh still likes them, says he plans on getting down to a home game at some point, doesn't really have anything set up yet. So I think Andy Jean is still a name to know. Uh Malik Bryant, I thought was was a, I, I mean, when he kind of came off the edge and was rushing the passer, I thought that's when he was at his best. Um, you know, he is going to play linebacker, and he was playing a lot of that on Saturday. Um, you know, I think he still is still learning the position of just being a true a true linebacker. Um, I think that's something that he's still going to have to kind of grow into. But, um, you know, I think he had some moments. I mean, he forced a fumble early in the game uh, coming off the edge, um, you know, chased down Teron Dickens a few times early. So he can definitely run. Uh, he seems like someone that's willing to tackle and and make plays at uh, at times. And uh, you know, again, I think he's still someone that's still growing in the linebacker position. But I think he could potentially have a, a promising future at Miami. All right, let's get out of here on this. So, 
was the offer extended on Sunday, Gabby, to yeah. uh, 2023 corner Roderick Pleasant? Uh, tell us what we need to know about him and that situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like this offer. I mean, again, you're looking at the sort of profile. I mean, I think he's a fat, he's a fastest prospect in the country. And, you know, he has a 10 1 400 meter. And yes, you heard that right. 10 1 4. It's just an absurd time. I think it's the fastest um, in the entire country uh, in the, uh, for the spring 2022. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, Miami, I guess, has been Jamal Day and him have been talking for a little bit on Sunday. He officially got the offer from Mario Cristobal. Sounds like a program that he's sort of into. He only officially visited Boston College in the summer, has an official visit to Oregon when they host Utah. I think it's in November. So seems like a wide open recruitment, right? And it feels like these are the types where Mario Cristobal can kind of get in, in there if he really wanted to. And, uh, you know, I think staying out west could be something. I think uh, USC is someone to watch. Oregon has been a school that know a few of people that some people think that he could potentially end up at but uh you know again this is a, a recruitment that's not over yet and uh doesn't seem like it's quite ready to get there and his i think his first little bit of uh fall tape came out on saturday maybe late friday night he had a pick six in his senior opener so um sure. i think he's someone that's going to continue to trend up he's a top 100 talent but i think a lot of that is based on the athletic profile and like the speed right. the speed numbers which are just insane all right good stuff Hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. Uh, Gabby and I might have some instant reaction pods coming from practice here this week. We'll see what that looks like. Um, but appreciate everyone listening today. And till next time, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.